0: Hello! Welcome back to Bestowing the Brush. This is the podcast that just cannot stop talking about drawing and art education. I'm your host, Dallas Noctigal. Thanks for being here today. I'm so glad to have you. First off, right off the bat, I wanted to let you know that I have a newsletter. This is not some automated thing. I personally write this once every three to four weeks. I send it out to you, and in that newsletter, I like to give you special content. I like to give you videos early when I'm in my video production part of the year. I like to tell you what I'm learning and what I'm researching, and I like to give you tips about drawing lesson times. So please go to my website, bestowingthebrush.com. There you will see a little space for you to put your email address in, and you can sign up for the brush club newsletter that way. Also, I am on Instagram at bestowingthebrush. There I have so many videos. I have lots of highlights saved. And I have a ton of content in my posts. They're available for you to browse through, get some great ideas for your school times. And one thing that's been exciting recently is that I got to interview John Muir Laws on my Instagram page. So there is about an hour and 15 minute talk that I did with him. We get to sketch together. We get to talking about brain chemistry stuff and about observation and drawing it, all that good stuff. It was an Awesome talk. So, if you don't already follow me over on Instagram, please go do that. And I'd love to see you over there. Definitely send me a direct message. Tell me who you are and why you're following me. I'd love to hear from you. Third thing I want to tell you is that I have so many free resources for you on my website at bestowingthebrush.com. And if you click the resources tabs, I have things like articles, parents' review articles. In fact, one I'll be reading to you today here on the airwaves, but you can read them all for yourself there. They're collected into a nice little bundle for you, and you can read them at your leisure and share with others. I have videos, of course, on my YouTube channel, and I have linked it from my website. And I have my favorite art supplies also there as well. So that's all within the free resources and more, so definitely go check that out. Lastly of course i wanted to tell you about my video course if you don't already know it's called brush chalk and charcoal foundations in drawing and it is for someone who is beginning drawing whatever age you are if you are able to pick up a pencil or a paintbrush and watch a video for verbal and visual instructions this course is for you here is a review from april She says, we are so excited to be working through your course. We've only done a few lessons together with my kids. It was easy to follow and helped me realize that brush drawing should be precise, but doesn't have to be a slow process. My children who are seven and nine are enjoying it. They were really excited to give charcoal a try. Thanks for this gift. You are so welcome, April, and thank you for the review. Every video in my course is between seven and 10 minutes long. It's very concise, but it's jam packed with information that you need to know for each prompt. And then at the end of each video, I usually give an extra prompt for you to work in between the lessons. And that just gives you that extra little boost that will help you in between lessons, both to remember to practice on something and to give you an initial idea. So there you have it. Please go check those things out. I will have links for you in the show notes. But speaking of ideas on drawing lessons, today we're going to hear from someone who is not alive anymore. (laughs) And that would be Mrs. Henry Perrin. And maybe this is familiar to you because I have just released two episodes ago. Her first article, Mrs. H. Perrin, she was called in that article, and it was brush drawing but today's is entitled Brushwork. So I think those are interchangeable terms. Anytime you see brush drawing, it's usually brushwork and vice versa. So this today, I will be reading Brushwork by Mrs. Henry Perrin, number two. Last month, I dwelt chiefly on the beauty of the J curve and I hope our little friends will have by this time practiced it in all directions and in numerous varied combinations, as it is in this way children can be encouraged to make original designs and to see what lovely patterns can be drawn by repeating between parallel lines some of the simplest forms. It would be well if every page of their brushwork book, which ought to not be less in size than nine inches by 12 inches, had a different pattern as a border to its central picture. Designs may be made also of straight lines in different directions with dots done with the point of the brush held upright. Also, blobs may be used, which are produced by the brush being laid on its side on the paper. The outlines of these blobs will be ovate, each formed of two J-curves, so much used in Greek design. Children should be taken to see the Greek brushwork on the pottery at South Kensington Museum and shown how the Greek artists made use of different modifications of the J in drawing their animals, especially those in motion. The spiral will be seen to consist of many J curves joined together, there being no complete circle. Indeed, the true circle is rarely seen in nature and is not such a natural or easy curve to draw. Therefore, we will discourage its use for the present. I would mention that, of course, compasses and rulers are never to be allowed. The horizontal and parallel lines enclosing the borders must be done by holding the brush of color vertically, the little finger only touching the paper, and the arm working freely from the shoulder and not from the elbow. Before going any further, I would again urge upon parents and teachers the necessity of leading the child to make his own observations of simple objects and to draw his own portraits of them, and above all, to encourage imagination and originality of expression in design. Do nothing for the child but make him work for you. Put him before nature and tell him to paint what he sees, without thinking what he ought to see or what you see. Mr. Brownlee RSW says many children hate drawing the eternal outlining the production of thin lines is unutterably wearisome and you cannot or are not allowed to put individuality into them we may have clever draftsmen but where are our designers you can count the real artist designers of the present day on your fingers what is the reason it is this All individuality has been destroyed in them because in their art training they have never been allowed to follow their own ideas but had to adhere to certain rules which pressed everybody into the same form or even if the teacher was lenient originality was not encouraged though it might to some extent be suffered but what ought to be done is to encourage a child to work by the aid of its imagination and to give its own impressions of things. Miss Mason, in her admirable system at the House of Education, gets her students to bring back leaves and buds of trees from their walks and to copy them in brushwork, with name, locality, and date attached to each. The twigs with buds they secure early in the spring, and later in the year compare their sketches with the same trees when in full leaf. This is an excellent way of teaching the students to know the many varieties of trees and shrubs and to identify them at any time of the year. There is ample opportunity for this in London as elsewhere. I will now make a few general remarks on color and afterwards try to illustrate them by taking an example of a flower. It is necessary from the first to get children to see the beauty of pure color They should be shown that the box and palette are to be kept in clean working order, and the colors free from muddiness caused by the reckless stirring of one color into another, a trick so popular with children. They should also be taught that their water should always be clean during painting. For this reason, a separate brush should be kept for supplying the water to the palette. It is also good to insist as far as possible that different brushes be used for different colors. If not this, that another glass of water be kept for washing out the brush. The color in the brush should be liquid enough to flow freely and when once applied to the paper, not touched again whilst wet. A good exercise is to practice the production of secondary colors by passing one color over another when dry. As for instance, in the case of violet, the blue can be passed over the pink. The effect is often far better than a previously mixed tint and the children are able better to notice the action of one color upon another in different proportions. They can also be directed to gradate shades of the same color or different colors, one into the other as seen in the rainbow, sunset, petals of flowers, etc. Let them gradate a plain tint from the top of the paper downwards. Beginning with a full brush from left to right. Guide the floating color down the paper, taking more water and less color as they proceed. A drier brush could be used to suck up any surplus quantity of color. The tint, when finished, must be a flat one, though gradated, without any unevenness or brush mark. Very pretty effects can be produced by one touch of, say, purple and another brush of yellow color laid at the side of it so that the two unite while wet, making an exquisite gradation most useful in flower painting and design. Teachers should show their little would-be artists the difference between reflected colors and those which receive direct light, and bring their eyes to see all the colors of the tulip in the gray light on the leaf. Ruskin says, The man who can see all the grays and reds and purples in a peach will paint the peach rightly round and rightly all together. I mentioned before that the brush is capable of giving various impressions of form in mass according to the angle at which it is placed on the paper and the amount of pressure used. It is well for children to notice these forms and to practice all in different directions, not forgetting the line work with the point of the brush. The blob impression is most useful for many petals and for small leaves, etc., but the elongated ovate form is perhaps the most needed, as for instance in crocuses, daisies, etc., and many leaves. My object in saying this is to show that it is best to do all leaves and petals with one touch of the brush, and generally, it is best to use the lightest tint and run in the darker shades with another brush while wet. This will avoid hardness. For example, take the tulip, a flower much beloved by children because of its bright color. Of course, no pencil outline is to be drawn, but having first well-filled the brush with the lightest colors seen, draw in mass the flower, and with another brush with red, orange, or purple, work into the damp color using as few touches as possible. The light and shade must be carefully noted, and the darkest part of the shadowed tint not taken to the edge, as there is always a reflected light to give roundedness. A clean water brush will with one touch soften the color to the edge sufficiently. With regard to the leaf, the child should first mix red, blue, and yellow to make the gray for the lights. And before this tint is quite dry, run in the rich greens where necessary. Leaves with very pronounced veins must have the latter inserted in a second painting when the first is dry, but as a rule it is unnecessary to do more than suggest them as they are apt to spoil breadth of treatment. It makes it easier for a child to have the object laid on or stood against white paper that its true depth of tone may be more readily seen. If any little child in the Parents Review School would like to paint me a flower and leaf with a pattern border round the page and put his or her name, age, and address on the back, I will return it to the little artist with a few remarks. Now, I know I'm not Mrs. Henry Perrin, but I am Mrs. Noctigal. so if your child would like to actually send me via the internet, either in my email inbox or on Instagram, one of their portraits of a flower with a border around the edge I would be happy to look at it and to give some comments in my stories on Instagram and I'm sure on other social media platforms I might um, put that there as well. Uh, I love it love it love it when you guys send me your drawings I get them from moms I get them from students and I usually ask if I can repost them because I just think it's so wonderful for others to see your progress as well so they're always so encouraging to me and so send them away and don't be surprised if I ask if I can use it on social media somewhere else so anyway why don't you use the hashtag btb drawing prompt and I will see those thank you back to the article It must be strictly understood that no help is to be given by others in the actual painting, which should bear the child's own stamp of originality. One can only touch the outer garment of a subject so vast as color. In a short article like this, but I shall have been content if in any of my few remarks I have driven home the necessity of impressing a child with a love of pure color and a respect for his brush and color box, which will hold him in good stead, and direct him in all his studies and necessary experiments. I will close my paper with a few words of Mr. Ruskin. Great art accepts nature as she is, but directs the eyes and thoughts to what is most perfect in her. False art saves itself the trouble of direction by removing or altering whatever it thinks objectionable. It is only by the habit of representing faithfully all things that we can truly learn what is beautiful and what is not. High art, therefore, consists neither in altering nor in improving nature, but in seeking throughout nature for whatever things are lovely and whatever things are pure. Art is great in exact proportions to the love of beauty shown by the painter, provided that love of beauty forfeit no atom of truth, and it must include the largest possible quantity of truth in the most perfect possible harmony. The inferior artist chooses unimportant and scattered truths. The great artist chooses the most necessary first and afterwards the most consistent with them, so as to obtain the greatest possible and most harmonious sum. I loved those closing remarks by Ruskin. Of course, you know my love for Ruskin. So what did you think of this article? It was kind of jam-packed with stuff. It's something that you'll maybe have to listen to while you have a paintbrush in your hand. And be sure to check on my Instagram page after I air this because I'm sure I will show some videos illustrating some of the points that she brought up here in this article. All right, well, I will see you back here next week. And in the meantime, I hope you use some of these skills you learned about today, or at least are getting some practice in and trying for yourself. All right. I will talk to you later, guys. Bye.